we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, February the 27th, in the year of our Lord, 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Pastor Mark Smith as we take a look at Martin Luther's hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace. Martin Luther, he wanted as many songs as possible in the vernacular German, which the people could sing during Mass. In 14 or 1523, he wrote several paraphrases of biblical psalms, including Psalms 12 and 14. Psalm 130, from depths of cry, of woe I cry to thee. And this hymn is a paraphrase of Psalm 67. Luther's psalm paraphrases served as both examples and catalysts toward the goal of providing German songs for the congregation. He likely wrote this paraphrase in late 1523. The text first appears appended to the end of Paul Speratus's 1524 German translation of the Formula Missi. On May 6, 1524, a man was arrested in Magdeburg for singing Luther's versification of Psalm 67 and 130 and selling copies of them. Because in those days, you were just to use the original Bible and not a paraphrase. Each hymn paraphrases two psalm verses, and the conclusion of stanza one, and unto God convert them, meant that the world has led to this hymn being called the first missionary hymn of the Reformation. This is also the hymn of the day for Lenten three in the three-year series. Pastor Smith, are you familiar with this hymn? Somewhat, yes. Uh, it's. I can't say it's a favorite of mine. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily one of the best of uh, Martin Luther's hymns, but it does show that that mission was important to him and to the and to the Reformation Church. Yes. It's under the category in our hymnal of mission and witness. So that's the purpose of it, that all people would be able to be converted by God and not reject the message of Christianity. Okay, you want to read versification one. Okay. May God bestow on us his grace, with blessings rich provide us. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us, that we his saving health may know his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nation show Christ's riches without measure. 
and unto God convert them. All righty. May God bestow on us his grace. Grace. What does that remind you of? Grace is uh, what we receive without deserving it. Well said. And according to this stanza, what do we receive that we don't deserve? Uh, blessings, rich yep. blessings. Exactly. Um, Why are they referred to as rich blessings? Well, because uh, because they come from God, and they're they're for our they're for our good, and uh, I, I especially like that next word. If I can, that next line, may the brightness of His face to life eternal guide us. Life eternal. Uh, what could be a greater blessing than that? Who is referring to as the brightness of His face? That's referring. I think that's referring to uh, to Jesus. I I take that uh, the same way I take uh, the second the second part of the ironic benediction. Uh, the Lord bless the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That's uh, that's the, the brightness of Jesus' face. His gospel. And who is Aaron? Aaron was the uh, brother of Moses and uh, the, uh, the, the first of all the Levitical priests. Yes. And so this would be part of his prayer. Uh, that's a good reminder that you made, that that is part of the benediction of Aaron. And in fact, um, there's also the uh, blessing and may his countenance lift up upon you. And I asked the congregation after a service, uh, we ended with that benediction, and I asked them, what did that mean, his countenance? And nobody knew. What is his countenance? Well, you should know. <laughs> Why do well, you put I that do. on me, Tom? Why do you put me on the spot? <laughs> Well, because we're two hosts, and I'm trying to help you understand this Bible verse. Oh, I see. Uh huh. <laughs> that's that's grace, right? <laughs> Give me what yes. I don't deserve. <laughs> so countenance refers to his what? Uh, let's see. That's his uh, his countenance. His his presence. Yes, his specifically, it refers to his face. His face. I was I was going to say face, but uh, uh, that's also covered in the second part. And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. And they didn't understand that that benediction, uh, that he would lift up his countenance, would mean he would look toward us. Why would God's face be directed toward us. Again, that's pure grace. I mean, who are we? What is man that thou art mindful of him, as we say from the scriptures? And what does it mean that to life eternal guide us? 
to bring us to bring us to eternal life. And yeah, of course, I believe that begins, that begins with our baptism. And I yeah. mean, he brings us. He brings. There's no way. There's no way we can climb to eternal life or attain Excellent. eternal life on our own. It's it, he's got to do it, uh, and he does it out of his pure grace and, and pleasure. And it's a distinction between law and gospel. Under the law, people expect that they are to guide themselves yes. to eternal life. Yes, and I they are wrong. Works. Yeah. And why big are they mistake. wrong? That's a big mistake. Nobody can do that. There's no way we can attain eternal life ourselves. Christ has brought us there. He's carried us there. And who is the one that is guiding us? I would say, uh, uh, let's see, the Holy Spirit. Excellent. In other words, the point I'm trying to make here is I believe that the first line, may God bestow on us his grace, is referring to God the Father bestowing on us the grace, the brightness of his face, namely Jesus Christ, and to life eternal guide us, is referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-huh, yes. So you have the Trinity in just the first three lines. Yes, I would agree. That we, his saving health, may know. Now, there are many metaphors about how we are saved. Uh, This one is health. What's the opposite of health? Uh, Sickness. Excellent. Disease. And what it, you is, know, it's it, it's not often, uh, you know, that that line uh, that line kind of struck me a little funny. I don't know why. That we his saving health may know. At first, I thought, well, certainly they're not talking about his saving health, uh, the, the health of Jesus, or the health of uh, our heavenly Father God Himself. Um, so it's it's talking that it's it, you know, that's. That's not always a blessing that is talked about in hymns that I can think of right offhand, that we his saving health may know. That certainly is, that's certainly a blessing of God, though, indeed. Yes, and his health is described in the next line, which is his gracious will and pleasure. For example, you may have somebody who's very ill, and you send them to a doctor. Why do you send them to a doctor? So that they, the saving health of the doctor, may know. Yeah, so so the doctor can apply and prescribe the needed medication or the needed therapy that will restore that patient's health. Excellent, excellent. And we know what that needed therapy is from Christ, his gracious will and pleasure. Now, in many other religions of the world, God's pleasure is sometimes to bring affliction on people because of their sins. But in this hymn, 
his placing his gracious will and pleasure refers to the forgiveness of sins. That is what pleases him, not putting us to hell, but granting us heaven as he so desires. Yeah, I always think of that one, one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And that that's his gracious a, will. That is a promise from God that a lot of Christians sometimes are unaware of when they're going through tough times. So what is the purpose of a sermon on Sunday morning? To enlighten them of the truth. To give them to give them the good news. To, well, of course, to preach the law and the gospel. Uh, to first bring the, the listeners to their knees with the law to help them to realize, look, w- without Christ, we would be lost and condemned for eternity. But then give them the good news that in spite of that, in spite of our many sins, uh, Christ has taken all of our sins to, with him to the cross and, at, and atoned for all of our sins and personally washes away all of our sins in, in our baptism. I appreciate that you use the word enlighten because that really fits with and may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us. Jesus is the doctor who enlightens us and also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure. So that's following the first line, with blessings rich provide us, and then that's explained by Christ's riches. What are Christ's riches? Is he talking there about the means of grace? Yes. Well said. The Lord's Supper, baptism, his gospel, the word? Yes. It's a means of bringing us into a right relationship with God. And unto God, convert them. So what converts people, according to this stanza? Let's see. I'm looking here. What converts people? Well, the the gospel. The Holy Spirit working through the gospel through the means of grace, through, through baptism. That little infant, when he's baptized, is converted, is made a believing child of God and heir of heaven. Yes, I would also say that what converts us to God is Christ's riches. Right. I would agree. What are the riches that he provides us? Well, I said the means of grace, his his word and sacraments. And what do they bring to us? Forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. Yes. And that's what saves us. We are not saved by our works. We're saved by the gift of the forgiveness of sins. So in this first stanza, you've got the three persons of the Trinity— and you have their work with God the Father, 
sending the blessings of the brightness of his face, which is Jesus Christ. And that occurred, of course, when he ascended into heaven after the resurrection, and that we are guided to life by the Holy Spirit and to the nations show Christ's riches without measure. To whom does the word nations refer to? All peoples, the world yes. over, all ethnic groups, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all people, all creatures. Well said. All right, I'll read stanza two. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of every nation, and all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exaltation. For thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish. Thy people's pasture is thy word, their souls to feed and nourish in righteous paths to keep them. Now, one of the articles that you pointed us to that we haven't talked about yet on KFUO was an article by a pastor about how important a shepherd is in the days of Jesus. And he talks about the sheep. Boy, you don't see sheep, say, at a circus, like you see other animals that are trained to uh, jump over hurdles or do tricks. You never see sheep practicing no. those, do you? No, you really don't. I can't think of any time when sheep were trained to, to do tricks. I guess that's not their, uh, that's not their strength. And that's why they need a what? A shepherd. Exactly. And this tune talks about, near the end, the word pasture. Yes. What is important about a shepherd and pasture? Well, particularly in light of the, the stanza talks about, um, uh, for thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish. In other words, there's the law. There's the, the truth that, look, uh, if we go on our errant way, we keep on going our sinful way and uh, without any regard for God and, uh, or, or any knowledge of his forgiveness, we're in trouble. We're headed for hell. Without Christ, we are lost and condemned forever. And so, and so it's, it's, that's why it's so important that we be fed on the, in the safe and green pasture of his word, that we would not drift into the, those that will be finally damned. And the shepherd, therefore, has the task of making the sure that the pasture is safe. Right. Uh, what did David do to make sure the pasture was safe in his day? Well, he would, uh, you know, he was pretty good with a sling. Yes. And uh, he would protect his flock from uh, oh, any any beasts, roaming beasts, or any, uh, or for that matter, uh, 
any thieves that would try to steal off the sheep. So uh, he was pretty good at, at protecting his, his flock that way. And Psalm 23 talks about pastures. What does it say? Well, and it talks about, uh, uh, let's say it talks about the shepherd's staff. And uh, I, I forget, I forget one of, one of his, uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. One of them is for uh, protection and the other one is for guidance. And he leads us to what? To uh, to pastures green, yes, and to, and to still waters. That's the point. Yes, that's how that that pasture is appropriate. What are the green pastures and still waters that he deals re, leads us to today? Well, just like it says in the hymn, um, the pa- people's pasture is Thy word, and that refers to what word? The gospel. Yes. In fact, is Jesus himself referred to as the word? Oh, yes. He's the eternal word. The word was made flesh and uh, dwelt among us. Exactly. That's John chapter 1. Right. And so let solemn awe possess us. What is awe? I can't help but think, you know, I think of uh, the beginning of every explanation to the commandments, that we should fear and love God. Yes. You know, it always be, uh, they always begin with that, the fear and love of God, that awe and so, that we have. Awe often occurs in a worship service. When do we have awe? Oh, boy. Uh, I would say... Uh, I would say when we are able to partake of our Lord's own body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Exactly. When our soul, when our souls are lifted up in, in, in the sermon, uh, and we're assured of His forgiveness, life, and salvation in the gospel, uh, holy absolution. When He, uh, the pastor, uh, in, in Christ's stead, assures us of that forgiveness of all of our sins that we received already in baptism. Yep. Uh, there, there's a number of places where we where we experience that awe. It, it's not, um, how shall I put it? It, it? It's not a strange thing when you see people even weeping in church because of the hymns they just sang and their remembrance of loved ones right. who are now in heaven with Jesus. Right, like the last hymn, the last time we sung that hymn was when uh, a loved one was was yep. was there at the funeral. And uh, you're right, uh, the, the hymns themselves will sometimes bring us to, to tears of joy. And that is the comfort that is behind every sermon. All righty, if you would read stanza three, please. And this is a doxological verse. There's a triangle placed before it in the hymnal to tell us that it it speaks very plainly of all three persons of the Trinity. Oh, let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Thy word is rich in blessing. May God the Father 
God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise him alone. Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen. You know what's interesting about this, Tom, these last uh, last couple lines? It talks about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then it says, let all the world praise him alone. You know, God is God is one and yet three persons at the same time. Yeah, well noted that it's a singular rather than may God praise them. Yeah. Well said. Now, you know, we're against good works, saving us. But this hymn begins, Oh, let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. Now, is that what saves us, the increasing good works? No, no. Uh, but good works are important. Make no mistake. And God wants us to do them. And he's, he's actually assigned certain works to us already in advance. But we need to remind ourselves again and again that that's not what saves us. In fact, the hymn is very clear in the next line that just as we saw that a pasture is a metaphor of going to the word of God, so also there's another metaphor that God works in all good works increasing the land shall what? The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. And what is the fruit therefore according to this verse? Well, it's not necessarily fruit that we eat, would it no. be? Or it'd be, it'd be all sorts of all sorts of blessings that no, uh, no, no. Okay, it's Go. the good works. The good works. The good works are the the fruit it's talking about. Okay. So, a great hymn about the Holy Trinity and how we are saved by Jesus Christ the brightness of his face. Thanks so much. And we'll be continuing tomorrow with uh, another topic on law and gospel at 9.30. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.